What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I sat on the sofa, frozen, struggling to comprehend what I'd just seen. Grandad didn't wait. He crossed the distance between us in two large steps and hauled me to my feet, dragging me across the lounge towards the front door. I was only wearing pajama bottoms and a top, no shoes, but if Grandad could hear my protests or my questions, he ignored them. We stepped over Tim's crumpled body, and I caught a quick glimpse of his rain-spattered face, his glasses soft, and his eyes wide open, before we reached the front door. Grandad tugged it open, and we ran out into the night. Rain hammered down around us. I was soaked almost immediately, the material of my top sticking to me like a second skin. The wind howled through the garden. The sound was so loud it seemed to block out everything else. I tried to listen for the noise of the car engine I'd heard starting up a moment ago, but I could no longer hear it. Stone stuck to the soles of my feet as we crossed the gravel driveway. I gritted my teeth against the pain. My heart was racing in my chest harder than ever. I wanted to ask Grandad what was happening, ask him who that man was that he'd just killed, but there was no time. Everything was happening too quickly. Within seconds, we were through the open garden gate and onto the country lane beyond. Trees and bushes crashed around us. My entire body felt numb. Grandad tugged me to the left, pulling me in the direction of his Land Rover. The rest of the lane was pitch black, with no sign of any other cars. Grandad fumbled with his keys out of his pocket, dropped them onto the gravel at his feet. He cursed, then picked them up shoved me in the direction of the passenger door. I ran around and tugged it open a second after he'd unlocked the car. But as he was pulling the driver's door open, I saw something moving across his chest. A tiny, red dot of light. Grandad! He ignored my previous shouts, but he didn't ignore this one. Must have heard something in my voice. Without looking at me, he ducked, instinctively and a split second later I heard a sharp cracking sound cut through the howl of the wind. The Land Rover's wing mirror exploded, 
Glass smashed and went everywhere. It sprayed out from the shattered mirror and disappeared among the rain. Damn it. Grandad's voice was a hoarse yell. In the Land Rover and stay down now. I dived through the open door and shut it behind me. Stayed sat in a crouch. A second later, Grandad was climbing in beside me, stabbing the keys into the ignition. The second shot rang out as he was starting the engine. It pierced through the Land Rover's back window and punctured the windshield in front of us, cracking the glass. Grandad yanked the handbrake down and shoved the gear stick into first as the third shot rang out. I heard it crack and roll through the darkness, but it didn't hit us. Grandad floored the accelerator. The Land Rover's tires bit into the gravel and we drove away, just as the fourth and final shot pierced the darkness. Grandad screamed. The Land Rover jerked to the right for a moment, but somehow he managed to drag it back on course. I turned to stare at him and saw him clutching his left shoulder, one hand on the wheel. Blood was pouring down his arm. Grandad! Grandad, are you... I'm fine. He spoke through gritted teeth without looking at me. Just keep your bloody head down. We drove in silence. A couple of times I opened my mouth to ask Grandad a question, but I couldn't find the words. I just kept shooting glances at him instead. Every time I did, he looked a little worse. Grandad's face was lined and pale. He gripped the steering wheel tight with one hand, the other still pressed to the wound in his arm. His entire sleeve was stained brown. His hand was a red, bloody mess. He drove quickly, blue eyes fixed on the country roads in front of us, not speaking or looking at me. For my own part, I felt terrible. My entire body was trembling. The heat was on in the Land Rover and turned up high, but it was no good. My skin was rain-soaked and freezing. I felt like I had a fever. My teeth chattered lightly together, and I couldn't get warm. Finally, after half an hour of driving in silence, I forced myself to speak. Grandad, where are we going? He didn't turn his head, kept his blue eyes fixed on the road. Just as I was beginning to think he wouldn't respond at all, he barked out a single word. Cottage. But are you going to be okay? Shouldn't we... I stopped myself before I could say go to hospital. Of course we wouldn't go to the hospital. Grandad had been shot in the arm, and a few minutes before that he'd killed a man with his bare hands. Hospital with a bullet wound meant the police would be called. It was the last place we could go. Without looking at me, Grandad grimaced and nodded his head once. I kept my eyes on him as I asked my final question. Can't you change, Grandad? If they keep coming after us, can't you change into your other form? Grandad blinked his eyes shut, then opened them again. Kept them fixed on the road ahead, he muttered the same word he'd spoken earlier, only quieter this time. Almost a whisper. Cottage. I supported Grandad to the front door. The weight of his large body slumped against mine. Was impossibly heavy. When he first stumbled out of the Land Rover, I almost dropped him. But together we just managed to stay upright. The Land Rover's door remained open, 
and I didn't go back to shut it. Rain cascaded down around us. It was a torrent now. I squinted my eyes shut against it, felt the cold water pour down my face. The hair stuck to my forehead in wet clumps. I could no longer feel my feet. My body felt impossibly weak, like I was on the verge of collapse. But somehow I forced myself to keep going. Granddad took a lot longer to unlock his front door than he had the Land Rover. His hand was shaking badly. He kept missing the lock. He slotted the key in eventually, though, and we stumbled over the threshold of his cottage. I slammed the door behind us and flicked the light switch. We stood in Grandad's cluttered front room. His cottage had a similar layout to my house. The front door opened straight into the lounge, with two other doors leading deeper into the house. A tiny kitchen could be assessed at the far end of the room. Beyond that was a back door that led out into the rear garden. To the left was a door that led to the hallway, and onto the bathroom and two bedrooms. The lounge itself was dusty and bare. There was an old sofa, an even older television set, and a little window. Not much else. Grandad, do you want to lie down? I can help you to your room. Grandad shook his head. His lips were pressed tightly together. Staring at him, I felt a horrible sinking feeling in my stomach. He looked terrible. His face was ghostly pale, as if all the blood had drained from it. I thought maybe it had. The shirt sleeve of his left arm was completely brown, and the hand he'd been using to cover the bullet wound was bright red. The sight of it made me feel ill. As I watched, Grandad limped forwards and sat down heavily on the sofa. He reached up with his good hand, fumbling with the top button of his shirt. Help me, he growled. Need to get this off. Grandad's sentences were stilted, as though every word was a struggle. I hurried forwards and began unbuttoning his shirt for him. My hands were numb and I worked slowly. But I got there in the end. Once it was done, Grandad waved me away. He struggled free of this shirt his face a mask of pain. Grandad's chest was broad and sinewy. Coarse white hair coated his torso. He shrugged his right arm free first, saving his injured left arm until the end. When he peeled the sleeve away, he let out a growl of pain. Then he dropped his shirt to the floor and opened his blue eyes wide, stared up at me. Don't be scared, he squeezed the words out through gritted teeth. My eyes kept flicking between his face and his bloody left arm. I won't hurt you. I opened my mouth to respond, but before I could, Grandad let out a loud groan. He started breathing fast and deep, tugging air into his lungs. He squinted his eyes shut, then opened them again, stared up at the ceiling. He let out another groan of pain, gritting his teeth harder. As the sound tapered off, I heard a noise outside cars. Two of them. Their engines were nearly obscured by the wind and the rain, but not completely. Their revs cut through the night air. I felt terror flare in my chest like fire. I stood frozen, staring from Grandad to the little lounge window. It stared back at me like a dark eye. A few moments later, I heard the sound of tires crunching across gravel. 
Grandad. Grandad, they're here. He didn't hear me. Maybe he couldn't. His face was a mask of agony. His eyes had rolled back into their sockets and thick veins stood out of his forehead. Similar veins covered his shoulders and his entire chest. Grandad? I was about to step forward and shake him when he let out a howl of rage and pain. His body suddenly sagged back into the sofa. He began panting hard. His blue eyes rolled back down and found mine. Can't. Do it. He heaved the words out between heavy breaths. The veins had disappeared from his face, leaving him paler than ever. Damn bullet. Grandad, they're here. I stared at his face, heard the panic in my own voice. Grandad must have heard it too. His blue eyes widened a fraction, and he turned towards the closed front door. A split second later, a hole was blown in it. I collapsed to the floor, covering my head. My ears rang with a cracking sound that filled the entire room. It rolled and echoed away into the night. The hole in my granddad's front door was the size of a dinner plate. From my position on the floor, I could see shards of exploded wood floating through the air, suspended in the light like dust motes. The door blew inwards on the wind, banging hard against the wall. Beyond it lay in the darkness of Grandad's front garden, and nothing else. I pushed myself up to my hands and knees. My heart was pounding in my ears. Adrenaline pulsed through my body like poison. I lifted my head, turning my eyes to look for Grandad. He was back on his feet. His face was whiter than ever, but his blue eyes looked sharp, alert. He was crouched beside the sofa his entire body tense, muscles standing out like ropes. Without taking his eyes off the front door, Grandad ran across the lounge in a crouch. His footsteps hardly made a sound. He reached the wall just to the left of the open lounge door and turned to brace his back against it. His eyes found mine. Back. Back. Grandad didn't say the words, only mouthed them and gestured with his hands. But I understood. I shuffled backwards across the floor until my body was pressed up against the side of the sofa, half hidden from view. By peeking my head around the side of it, I could still see Grandad in the open front door. Grandad gestured with his hand again, telling me to fall back even further. But before I had a chance, a man appeared in the doorway. My breath caught in my throat. The man in the doorway was tall and broad. Not as big as Grandad, but close. Probably around Grandad's age. Stubble covered his face, and his dark eyes darted back and forth across the room. His hands held a shotgun. The man took a step forwards into the lounge, and two things happened at the same time. The first was that his eyes found mine. I saw them widen slightly saw his arms stiffen as he swung the shotgun's barrel in my direction. The man was quick, but my granddad was quicker. He sprang forwards from his hiding place beside the door, uninjured arms stretched out in front of him. The man didn't stand a chance. He caught movement from the corner of his eye at the last minute, but, but before he'd even started turning, granddad was on him. He caught the man's face in one large palm and slammed his head back into the wall. 
It connected with a sickening crunch. The man went limp. His shotgun dropped to the floor, and his flailing leg kicked it as he slumped to the ground. The gun skidded a few meters and came to a stop in the middle of the lounge. Granddad turned to move towards it. His teeth were drawn back from his lips in a grimace. His eyes blazed with pain and rage. He was reaching down towards the gun, his good hand stretched out in front of him, when the second man appeared in the doorway. He was younger than the first man, but just as big. Sodden brown hair hung down over his eyes. He entered the lounge at a half-run, a rifle slung over his shoulder. Panic on his face, his eyes found Grandad, and he skidded to a stop, already unslinging the gun. Grandad! He didn't need me to shout. He'd already heard the man behind him. He grabbed the shotgun from the floor by the barrel, spinning on the spot as soon as he had a grip on it. But this time, he wasn't quick enough. By the time Grandad had turned, the man had his finger on the rifle's trigger. The gun went off. The noise in the cottage was deafening. Pain stabbed through my head and my ears rang. I screamed with terror. Somewhere, Grandad was screaming too. I opened my eyes and saw him tussling with the man. He had the barrel of the rifle clutched in his left hand, while his right sought the man's throat. The shotgun was on the floor by his feet. The man swung wild punches into the side of Grandad's head with his free hand, yelling and swearing. Grandad couldn't get a grip on the man's throat. His hand was wet with blood. After a moment, I saw his hand travel up to the man's face and grab the back of his head. The man tried to thrash and get away, but he couldn't. Grandad's grip was too strong. He tensed his hand, bracing his fingers against the back of the man's skull, and pushed a thumb into his eye. The man screamed. He stopped punching, and immediately grabbed Grandad's hand, trying to pry it free of his face. I stood up into a crouch, my eyes on the shotgun near Grandad's feet. If I could just reach out and get it, but even as the thought went through my head, I heard movement behind me. From the back of the lounge, I turned and saw a red-headed woman standing a few feet away, just inside the door that led to the kitchen. She must have slipped in through the back, and her hands was something bright yellow and blue, gun-shaped, but not a gun. It almost looked like a toy. It wasn't, though. Even as I screamed a warning to Grandad, I saw her compressing the trigger, saw two thin strings of metal go shooting from the gun toy's blue barrel. I turned my head in time to see them disappear into Grandad's back. His entire body went stiff. He lost his grip on the rifle. The man he'd been fighting jerked backwards away from him, then swung the rifle in a vicious upwards arc. Its butt smashed into Grandad's chin. He staggered backwards and turned on the spot almost in slow motion. I had time to see that his left hip was now leaking blood too, from where the rifle's second bullet must have hit him. I had time to see the veined agony on his face. Then he collapsed to the floor. His body twitched and spasmed. His eyes were closed. I screamed. Before I knew what I was doing, I was moving towards the man. Anger and terror raged through my head. I had no plan of action. The man's eyes flicked up at the sound of my scream. I saw him swing the rifle towards me, 
saw him fumbling in his top pocket for a fresh bullet. The gun's barrel stared at me like a black eye. Heat surged and pulsed through my body. The man started reloading the gun and I tensed myself, ready to spring forwards. But a split second before I did, the red-haired woman spoke. Don't, Jim. Remember who we're here for. Her voice was soft and calm. She wasn't talking to me, but the sound made me hesitate all the same. Jim hesitated too. He turned his panicked face in her direction. Blood leaked from his swollen left eye. I followed his gaze and saw the woman moving towards me, a smile on her face. The silent chapter will pay more for him if he's alive. The woman pulled a long, silver knife from her pocket. Its blade glinted in the overhead light. Its handle was a smooth, shiny brown. She waved it at me, the smile on her face growing into a grin. You're not going to give us any trouble now, are you, boy? I glanced back at Jim to find him aiming the gun at me. Panic and dread filled my chest. I'd missed my opportunity. The woman's distraction had given him time to reload the rifle and center it at me. If I jumped at him now... I wouldn't get to him before he fired. The red-headed woman walked around the sofa. She stopped a few feet away. The grin was still fixed on her face, but I could see something in her eyes now. Something like hate or disgust. One side of her mouth curled up as she spoke. Don't try anything stupid. You don't want to end up like dear old granddad, do you? She took another step forward raising the knife in front of her, and then something on her face changed. She paused, cocked her head to one side as though she was listening out for something. The smile on her face faltered. A split second later, I realized why. I could hear a sound. It was distant, almost smothered by the wind and the rain, but it was getting clearer all the time, louder and closer with every second. A steady rhythmic crunching noise, footfalls, pounding across the gravel towards the cottage. Jim? The red-haired woman was no longer looking at me. She was staring at Jim with a frown on her face. I followed her gaze. Jim stared back at her, his face a mixture of panic and confusion. Suddenly the footfalls stopped, cut off completely. Jim turned around wildly, staring from the lounge window to the open front door. Wind howled around the cottage. The rain continued its relentless drumbeat. The front door swung back and forth against the wall, knocking into it repeatedly. Bang, bang, bang. Nothing else. Sadie, do you think we should... Jim took a step towards the door as he spoke, but got no further. A black shadow reared over him. Something had appeared in the doorway that completely blocked out the sky beyond. A dark, towering shape. I caught a glimpse of thick black fur covering something vaguely humanoid before everything descended into chaos. The creature rushed forwards at a speed that didn't seem possible. It was all limbs and shadow. Jim screamed and raised his rifle towards it, but he didn't stand a chance. Before the gun was even halfway up, the creature had swiped one of its limbs across his face. Jim's screams cut off immediately. Blood sprayed from his head. He flew backwards into the wall of the lounge, striking it at least twice as hard as the first man had after Granddad shoved him. 
I heard a sharp crack that could only have been the sound of Jim's neck breaking. A second later, the rifle clattered to the floor. I didn't turn to see what had become of Jim. I couldn't. My eyes were locked on the creature that now stood panting in front of me. The creature that was staring at me through silvery blue eyes. I stared back at it, unable to look away. In some ways, it was like the werewolves I'd seen in films. Thick fur covered its entire body. Its face was snarled into a dog's snout. I caught flashes of a pink tongue inside a mouth ringed by what seemed like hundreds of needle teeth. Its muzzle was bunched up in deep wrinkles. Pointed ears stuck up from the top of its skull. It was like the werewolves I'd seen. But it was different, too. Its shape was different. The creature in front of me was skinnier and much taller. It crouched down low in the cottage, but even hunched over its shoulders still grazed the ceiling. Its legs were extremely long and thin. Its arms extended almost to its knees, giving the thing a spider-like quality. Each limb ended in an elongated paw, all of which were clustered with dark talons. The one on its right paw dripped with Jim's blood. My mind absorbed the image in front of me in a split second, taking everything in. That was all the time I had. A fraction of a second later, the creature was howling in rage and moving towards me. Its steps were stilted and awkward. The thing moved like a broken puppet. It took a long step over Grandad's crumpled body, its eyes fixed in my direction. But before it could go any further, I felt something cold touch my throat the sharp metal of a blade, Sadie's knife. She'd crept up behind me while I watched the creature attack Jim, and now she was panting in my ear, holding the knife so close that it touched my skin. Take another step and I'll slit his throat. Sadie was no longer calm. She spoke loudly, but I could hear her voice shaking. The knife blade wobbled against the skin of my neck. I mean it. I'll let him go, I promise, but you have to change back first, so I know you won't do anything to me. The creature let out a long, low growl. Every inch of my skin prickled. Rain and wind continued to howl around the cottage in a never-ending sheet of noise. Rain, wind, and something else. Something new, an impossibly faint whine in the distance. As I stared into the werewolf's silver-blue eyes, I realized it was the sound of sirens. Sirens drawing closer. Someone had heard gunshots and called the police. I didn't think. I didn't have time to. Before anything else could happen, I twisted my head down and sank my teeth into Sadie's wrist. The taste of blood and sweat filled my mouth. Sadie screamed. She tried to yank her arm away, but I reached up and grabbed it, holding it in place, bit down harder. Sadie continued to scream, and I heard the clang of the knife dropping to the floor. I opened my eyes and saw the creature advancing towards us, a low growl rumbling in its throat. I released my grip on Sadie and stepped to one side. No, no, no! Sadie was backing away across the lounge, babbling. She had her hands raised in front of her. Her eyes were wide and terrified. No, please, just let me go. 
just let me go and I swear out it was as far as she got as the wolf drew level with me it suddenly lunged forwards both limbs stretched out towards Sadie the weight of it threw her backwards onto the floor she landed with a thump and a scream the wolf on top of her her screams didn't last long within seconds her cries had turned to a wet gargling sound a moment after that they stopped altogether I spat blood from my mouth and turned away caught sight of granddad his body still lying crumpled on the lounge floor eyes still closed all other thoughts left my mind as I ran over to him his entire body was covered in blood it leaked from his chin, as well as the bullet holes in his side and shoulder. At some point, Sadie had dropped her yellow-blue weapon, but its metal string still stuck into his back. I kicked him away, knelt beside him, and moved my hands from his chest to his neck, desperately feeling for a pulse, trying to see if his chest was moving. The sirens outside were louder now, they drowned out my thinking, filling my whole head. I felt like I might faint. My hands moved over Grandad's face, but they were covered in his blood now, slippery and wet. I couldn't see properly because my vision had blurred. I felt movement behind me, heavy thumping footsteps. A moment later I heard a low growl and felt hot breath on the back of my neck. The creature pushed me to one side. It bent down and took a hold of Grandad in both its paws. I screamed and tried to fight it off, but it only ignored me. Just scooped his broken body up like a rag doll, then threw him over its shoulder, as if he weighed no more than a child. And then a second later, before I knew what was happening, it had grabbed hold of me too. It twisted me around so I was staring directly into its face. There are two things I remember most about the final part of that night. Two clear images. The first is the moonlight. This must have been shortly before I lost consciousness, after my body finally gave up on me, after we'd been running for what felt like hours. Fleeing Grandad's cottage and the sirens across rain-soaked fields. Fleeing into the night. After an unknown amount of time, the rain finally began to stop and the sky overhead started to clear. I was draped over one of the creature's shoulders, clinging to the fur of its back. Through my filmy, half-conscious gaze, I saw stars above us, winkling like eyes. And a moment after that, I felt moonlight on my skin. I saw the moon, giant and white in the sky, shining down on me like a spotlight. It made me feel warm, that image will stay with me for a long, long time. But the second image will stay with me even longer. The image of what I saw in Grandad's cottage. Shortly before the creature tossed me over its shoulder, before we started running, the image of the creature's face only inches away from mine when it twisted me around to face it. To stare directly into its silver-blue eyes. Sirens were whistling in the background, mixing with the wind and the rain. Terror, adrenaline, and exhaustion swirled in my stomach like a storm cloud. But when I came face to face with the creature that had just butchered two people in front of me, I didn't feel afraid. 
I suddenly didn't feel any fear at all. Because as I stared at it, I realized I wasn't staring into the eyes of some unknowable monster. I was looking at my own mother. Thank you for making it this far. I hope you enjoyed the video. I just wanted to quickly let you know about a couple things I have going on. I have an Instagram where I post more personal things about who I am. It isn't just all creepy stuff. You can find me at Stories After Midnight. I also have a Twitter where I mainly retweet and like things I find interesting. The handle for that is in the description, but it is S underscore A underscore Midnight. I should really find another one because that's hard to say. If you really like what I'm doing, consider joining the Midnighters. That's my growing community where we hang out and have fun and talk about cats. You can find a link to our Discord in the description below. We'd love to see you there. Other than that, it'd make me happier than a cat on a table full of antique glassware if you'd like the video and consider sticking around for more. We'll see you in the next one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.